What's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Podcast partner of PhillyIsFlyers.com. This is Getting Bullied. Your hosts, Mark Giannone, myself, and my partner in crime, as always, Dan Silver. Dan, what's going on, bud? Not much, man. So I'm glad to be uh, hearing your voice and doing a show again. I was, I was out in uh, Arizona and Vegas for work last week, and uh, so that's you know why we weren't able to do a show. But I'm, I'm, we've got a lot to talk about, and I'm, I'm excited, man. Yeah, it's a, it's crazy what happens in the middle of a season when you take like a week off, and I mean things, especially with the Flyers right now, they don't ever stop. So since we last spoke, the last time we did an episode was actually the night of Ron Hextall's firing. And since that time, the team hasn't really played much better, and they have a new general manager. They hired Chuck Fletcher last week. I think it was like a week to the day that they fired Ron Hextall. They bring in Fletcher. Most um, He's most known for his time in Minnesota with the Wild. Obviously, the big moves he made there were the one-off season when he signed uh, Zach Parise and Ryan Suter to monster contracts and... You know, never really materialized, I, I think, as far as what Minnesota was hoping when you bring in guys like that. Um, but the big thing for Flyers fans and what a lot of people wanted uh, Chuck Fletcher for was his ties to Joel Quinville, ex-head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, number one coaching prospect out there, obviously. A lot of Fly- Flyers fans want him brought in. They see Chuck Fletcher as maybe a caveat to do so, but... We're about a week into Fletcher's tenure here with the Flyers. He hasn't made any big moves yet. Phil Barone got the call up from the Phantoms, and the Flyers have not played well. And now, you know, Dan, when I, when I look at Chuck Fletcher, it's just like, um, and not that I'm, you know, not that I'm saying he should have done something already, but you're just kind of looking and you're seeing what the coaching staff is doing. They bring in Rick Wilson as an assistant after they made the firings last week, and here we are. Chuck Fletcher a week in. No big moves yet, but they're probably coming if you look at how the Flyers have been playing. And so my just, I guess to kick it off, the question just is, what do you think of Chuck Fletcher? Did you like it? Did you not like it? And what happens next as far as what he's going to do to try to revamp this team? Well, first, let me say he has made a big move. I mean, I don't know if you didn't see the tweet from the from the Flyers Twitter account. But, you know, after the Buffalo game, the players were allowed to have chicken wings. Yes, after the I, did game. See I mean, that. that's that's pretty big. I mean, you know, we did our last podcast uh, the night of Hextall's firing. And in the days after that, the Flyers did some PR campaign in terms of like getting to some of the reporters and having them write articles about, uh, you know, all of the things that Ron Hextall did that, that made him a tyrant. I mean, there were are the articles from Jake Greenberg and Bill Meltzer, and those guys are really good writers, but it was pretty clear that, that the Flyers had passed along some information to those guys. And Jake Greenberg's pretty tied in with, with Paul Holmgren, so you know probably he knew some of that stuff already. But they the Flyers did a heck of a job of painting Hextall as a tyrant who was micromanaging everything and and who was not letting the players eat pizza or chicken wings and was you know scheduling the buses himself and then Hextall had a press conference himself to kind of say no that wasn't the case 
So it was, I was really interesting to see all the, uh, what happened. And I think the truth is probably somewhere in between because Hextall did admit during his press conference that like, for example, that there was one time that the alumni wanted to use the Flyers locker room and Hextall told them that they had to use the Sixers locker room. And it seems like stuff like that kind of started turning the alumni against Hextall. Uh, and then it, it seems like he wasn't really doing the, the communication wasn't there between Hextall and Paul Holmgren and Dave Scott. So, you know, he's gone. Then the, uh, the Flyers launched their search for the new GM. And, and I think it looked like, you know, it, it, everyone kind of said it was between two guys with Chuck Fletcher and Bill Zito, who's an assistant general manager for Columbus. Everyone talking about how, how brilliant both these guys are. I know one went to Harvard, one went to Yale. That doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're smart because sometimes people get into those schools for reasons other than their intelligence level. But, you know, I would say that both those guys are pretty smart hockey guys. I think the difference for the Flyers came down to the fact that Fletcher has been a general manager before, so and he's made mistakes, and hopefully he's learned from those mistakes. So I think the Flyers wanted someone who uh, had had the experience as a GM before and could come into this situation with with that experience because everyone seems to think that Bill Zito is going to be a great GM one day, but he's probably going to make some mistakes when he becomes a GM. So. It seemed like Fletcher was a front runner from the start. He got the job, and look, I've been very impressed. I mean, a lot of people were concerned that Fletcher was going to come in, and this was more based on Holmgren and Dave Scott talking about how they, you know, they wanted moves to be made, and, and Hextall simply wasn't going to do anything. And so I think fans thought that Fletcher was going to come in, and those guys were going to tell him, "Hey, you've got to make moves," just like Paul Holmgren uh, did when he was GM. But another thing I liked was Paul Holmgren in his in the press conference. And, uh, about Fletcher and even in press conferences about Hextall saying that, you know, he, he knew that he was a little too aggressive when he is GM. So I think he wanted to find kind of like a middle road solution. And, and Chuck Fletcher's come in and look, he said all the right things. I mean, he basically said, look, I'm not going to come in. And how could I possibly make any major moves when I haven't been around this team and this organization for that long. So Fletcher's coming in. He's meeting with the coaches every day. He's meeting with the players. He's obviously watching the games. He's talking to the scouts. Uh, you know, he had a comment today uh, on a, uh, a Facebook interview he did with Jim Jackson. And he said, you know, look, Ron Hextall's uh, left this, this prospect pool in a great spot. He said he counts like 20 prospects that he thinks could be NHL players. So he's clearly done his homework there. He's, He's not going to trade Morgan Frost for Jimmy Howard or something like that. You know, Flyers fans are worried he's going to make all these moves. I think he's come in. He's taking a, a survey of what's going on, just the lay of the land. And I think he will eventually start to make some moves. I would predict that trades will come before the coaching change. And the, the, the whole coaching situation is interesting because, you know, Dave Haxtell he didn't get a ringing endorsement from Holmgren and Dave Scott, but the way they portrayed it was that he hadn't been given a fair shake under Ron Hextall and that potentially Hextall had been making a lot of these decisions like who the assistant coaches are instead of Dave Hextall. So I think they either it's lip service um, or it's reality. The Flyers want to give Hextall a little bit of a fair chance. Now the interesting thing about Joel Quenville is some of the articles that have come out over the, over the last week, talk about how he does not necessarily want to make a decision about uh, coming back to coaching 
until at least after the holidays. Some reports said you wanted to wait for the whole season to be over. Then some reports say, well, now that the Flyers might be interested, he wants to wait until after the holiday season. So I think there's probably a lot of truth to the fact that the Flyers are very interested in Joel Quenville. As you mentioned, Chuck Fletcher has previous ties to Quenville. And I think that if the Flyers continue on this slide, and even if they don't, you know, even if they just kind of play mediocre hockey, I, I would say it's probably more likely than not that, it, that Joel Quenville does end up as the head coach here. Whether or not it happens this year or in the offseason is, is something we'll have to monitor. But it would make sense of possibly why if the team continues to play well, they don't fire Haxtell right away. right? Because you, you don't want to fire Dave Haxtell and then bring in somebody who you're then going to fire for Joel Quenville. So, you know, I think it works out that Haxtell's got a chance without Haxtell here to kind of prove what he can do as a head coach without that laying over him. Um, Haxtell's, you know, dictatorship or whatever. But, yeah, I think that, that Quenville will eventually be, uh, eventually be the head coach of this team is what I would guess. I just, I just don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah, I mean, that would be that's obviously the move everybody wants, and you're totally right. There's no way that the new general manager is going to come in here and first thing he does is get rid of the coach. He's going to do every step before that until he gets to the point where, okay, I've done all I can to this point. It's got to be the coach. We have to just try something new. Um, it's very difficult from, from a lot of different perspectives for an organization to make a move midseason to fire their coach because – you know, it's obviously one thing in the offseason. You have that whole offseason get acquainted with the guy as far as, you know, the players that he's going to be coaching, integrate his system and everything like that. To do that on the fly midseason where you're, you know, what do you have realistically? Two, maybe three days a week to practice what you're trying, you know, a whole new system you're trying to learn. So it's difficult for the coach coming in because he might have to tweak his system to what he really wants to do to just try to fit the guys that he has and to get it to work now and as quickly as possible. Whereas if he does it in the off season, you know, he could go, you know, you have, you work with the, with the uh, front office, you know, these are the type of guys I need. These are the guys I want. And, you know, you kind of take it from there. So on the fly, making a coaching change mid season, is very difficult from a lot of different perspectives. So that's why, and when, you know, when, when you, when I read all those articles about Ron Hextall, it really, you know, it, it made me kind of sour on him from a little bit because you're, you're just reading about a guy that was so overbearing. And we've all had that we've all had that boss where we can't stand to be in the same room as them because you don't know, like, if you sneeze at the wrong time, they could be on you. And it might not have been to that the extent. manager. Yeah, right. And it got to the point where I read on the uh, I think it was Aunt, uh Santa Liquido or Anthony San Filippo. San Filippo, yeah. Anthony <laughs> San Linguido. I will yeah. not. We we will not tell him that that, that you equated him to a pasta. But I, you know, <laughs> could be um, Anthony San Linguini. Right. And his article that I read, <laughs> um, it, like I got to the point where Hexel was controlling in the building which doors were allowed to be open and which doors were allowed to be closed because he didn't want different departments i guess of the building to hear what was going on he didn't want something more or less to get out that shouldn't get out so it got to that point he was trying to control the you know the season tickets 
everything that was going on with the Flyers, he thought it was his job to take over and control. And that's just not really the case with a general manager. You know, you usually stay to the hockey side of things. And he was trying to go over to the business side, too. And he thought it was really just from from how it seems, it's it seemed like he thought it was his team, his organization, and he just had control of everything. And that's obviously not the case. And it was very weird, I thought, that he came out with his own little press conference because you never see that whenever a coach gets fired, a player gets cut, a general manager gets fired, the last thing you see is them have a press conference to kind of talk about it. But I think from Ron Hextall's Hextall's perspective is, you know, I I guess the way I look at it, I don't think he was completely flattered with some of the things that were said in the press conference to announce his firing. I think that he saw – the way Paul Holmgren and the way Dave Scott kind of portrayed him to be in a negative light. And maybe he was, you know, kind of covering himself a little bit down the road before, you know, cause he, I'm assuming at some point he wants to be in a front office again in the league. And now you have this expansion team coming to Seattle. He'd probably be a perfect guy for that to build up their farm system, but that's a different topic for a different time. But when I, when I saw that he was coming out with his press conference of his own and it was, you know, at like a hotel across from the skate zone in Voorhees, that first thing that I thought was he didn't like what the Flyers said about him on his way out. He probably felt some type of way about it. He probably left a bad taste in his mouth. Not saying that the Flyers outwardly bashed him or outwardly, you know, shamed him in any way, but some of the things they were saying and some of the way that Paul Holmgren especially was answering the questions in that press conference were – they weren't flattering of a guy that just gave five years to your organization and did all the things that he did, you know, ultimately fell short and ultimately you saw the type of person he was to work for. But that's how I read it, that he had to, you know, do damage control basically for his career and just kind of cover himself to say like, yeah, you know, I probably could do things differently next time around. But, you know, it, yeah, I, think- I mean. You know, I think, again, I think a lot of it was in response to those articles that were coming out, too. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. I mean, because, look, it's – I, I take everything kind of with a grain of salt. And you know that Anthony Sanfilippo has, has, has talked in the past on Twitter about how he has connections to the Flyers. Um, and I, I guarantee you that some of the things in his article were a little bit overblown. I mean, how could Ron Hextall even – is – He's trying to control what doors were open and closed. Yeah. I mean, that's like borderline insane. If, if he's trying to do that for four years, I don't think he'd last that long in the job. So that's where I, I think the truth is a little bit in the middle. Maybe he was a crazy tyrant like that. It's just hard for me to believe all of those things are true. I'm sure some of them are true. And the players sure seem to be happy to be eating chicken wings after the uh, Buffalo Sabres game. But uh, I love how Flyers Twitter is like trolling Ron Eckstall. Yeah. There. But, kind of, um, but yeah, I mean, bad, look, he wants to be a general manager. Yeah, I mean, he look, he wants to become a general manager again at some point, and uh, I'm sure he will because he did a lot of really good things for this Flyers organization. And he left he left this team in a great position for Chuck Fletcher to be able to make moves if he wants to, because the salary cap is salary cap is clean, and the the farm system is just rife with prospects who could make the NHL. What I like about the Chuck Fletcher move, and I saw the stat, I think it was, this is the first move, the first general manager hired by the Flyers, I think since like 1990, that hadn't previously worked for or played for the organization. So 
That's that was like that was the biggest thing for me when they fly when they fired Ron Hextall. Uh, I wanted a guy completely outside of the organization, and there is that slight little tie that Bob Clark gave him his first job in the NHL when he was the general manager in uh, Florida. That's just you know small, still doesn't have that Flyers mentality that has really painted them into the into a corner at this point as an as an organization, and why they haven't won a Stanley Cup in four decades, but. You know, that was the biggest thing for me is I wanted a guy outside the organization that had done this job before and he checked those boxes. And, you know, the first thing obviously everybody wanted to do was fire the coach and no general manager is going to come in and just do that. And in a way, and it quickly changed because the Flyers had a lot of days off while all this was going on. You know, they had like a game, like two games in two weeks or something like that. It was crazy. And when I'm reading all these articles, it, it, it painted Dave Haxtall almost as like a sympathetic figure. You're, you know, I, I couldn't help but reading all this stuff and, you know, how he was being micromanaged by his boss and how he didn't have control over his assistant coaches and everything like that. And I just kept, I, I couldn't help but feel bad for Dave Haxtall. Here he is with his first ever head coaching job in the NHL. And, you know, has he made he's you know he, not saying that he's really done a good job but it's very difficult when you're new to a job and the person above you is just trying to control everything you do so from that perspective i feel bad for dave axel cuz maybe when this is all said and done and he ultimately is let go by the flyers whether it's mid-season or at the end of the season or whenever i think kind of the biggest thing that we're, you know, we may take away from Dave Haxel's tenure with the Flyers is he may not have ever gotten a fair shake um, to kind of just do the things he wanted to do because it sounds like Ron Hextall was very much over his shoulder with a lot of decisions. I mean, to be a head coach in any sport and not have control over your assistant coaches, these people that you have to work with side by side every day, building game plans, you know working out the roster, the lines, and everything like that, if you don't have, you know, the fact that this guy was brought in, you know, Gord Murphy really was the guy that was, you know, brought in by Hextall to be an assistant coach, and Dave Hextall had a, you know, if he's not, I'm sure he's not dumb, I'm sure he saw what was going on, he saw that, you know, Murphy was almost a spy for Hextall, and I'm sure that wasn't lost on Dave Hextall, and that's hard for a person to succeed at their job when, they know the right-hand man of of their boss is technically working under them, but in reality, not really, because the guy under you has more cachet in the organization and with your boss than you do. So it's difficult, and I feel bad for Dave Haxall from that perspective. Yeah, again, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know how much of this stuff you can believe and how much you can't believe, you know? I mean... Um, if Ron Hextall was totally controlling who the assistant coaches were, then yeah, that's not not uh, ideal for Dave Hextall. But Dave Hextall is also the head coach who, uh, you know, was was had Travis Sanheim uh, buried on the third pair all season long. Like uh-huh. I don't think Ron Hextall, who drafted Travis Sanheim, is telling him to do that. I don't think that Ron Hextall is telling Dave Hextall to play injury-prone goalies like Michael Norworth. Uh, you know, in like 10 straight games, like you do last season. Like there's, there's, I, I still don't think that Dave Haxall is a good head coach and he's, he's had plenty of time to make decisions that I'm sure LeBron Haxall didn't have much say in. And he just, you know, is, 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 uh, 
Ron Hextall, the reason that Nicholas Alvey-Cubell was, uh, you know, wasn't getting the playing time that maybe he should have, and uh, why Dale is on the second line. Like these, I don't, I don't think these are decisions that Ron Hextall is making. So, you know, I still have major doubts about Dave Hextall's ability to be a successful NHL head coach, at least in the current situation as it is with the Flyers. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not absolving Dave Hextall of all bad decisions he's made because he's made plenty of them uh, just if you take it if you take what you read at face value and you just kind of read it for what it is it puts a plant in your head or puts a seed in your mind that you know maybe he didn't get a fair shake but you're right I mean I'm not saying that Dave ha- Ron Hexel was making every coaching decision because a lot you know obviously I'm sure 90 percent of it was Dave Hexel. he's made more mistakes than any of us can count um, I don't absolve him of anything. I still think that he's not the guy for this team. I don't think he's going to be here when, and I guess at, at this point, if they win a Stanley Cup. Um, but yeah, I just a, a small part of me, for all the angst I have against Dave Haxall, a small part of me kind of feels bad. But you know, still, obviously, well, he's getting a shot now to coach. Yeah, he is. Hexel, so we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. Well, let's talk about it, because now the Flyers have um, been without Hextall for two weeks, and the the play on the ice has really kind of just been the same as it was when Ron Hextall was here. And I don't think anybody expected that once they fired the general manager that they were just going to be this brand new, like, reborn team. That's obviously not going to be the case, but, you know, and, and you saw it the first game that they played without you know, but right after the firing was the Ottawa game. Ottawa and, game, yeah. Yep, and they were at home, and they were playing well. For the first two periods, they played as good a hockey game as we've seen them play this year, and once again, third period rolls around, they have a comfortable lead, and the wheels fall off, and the Flyers went back to doing what the Flyers, you know, what we've come to know the Flyers to do. You know, they you go into that third period of that game, and this is a couple weeks ago, so it's maybe hard for some to remember, but you go into the third period of that game up 3-1, uh, to one, and you allow three goals in the third period. You don't get any, you lose 4-3. And not even that game, but not even just that game, but even games after, again, there's no fight in this team. They've come out flat. They have not. They, they're. It's hard for them to put together a full sixty-minute game, and it, it's it's showing. And you know, at this point, you're going to have to start looking at coaching if you're Chuck Fletcher now, and especially after Sunday's game uh, in Winnipeg to lose that game seven to one. And I know they played a good game. And it, again, it's it, we'll go back to it every time. Every time we talk about the Flyers, and their terrible play, it is all tied into goaltending because they are keeping it together with string and duct tape right now. And for some reason, Dave Axel thought starting Michael Norberth last night was a good idea after Stolars had a good game against Buffalo on Saturday. I guess it's the back-to-back thing. I don't know, but Michael Neuberth, it's not even it's not even the injuries anymore because when he has played in just two games, he's gotten pulled from both. He's just not even an NHL caliber goalie anymore. And this is this is the situation and hopefully Brian Elliott comes back and I hope I hope that they don't make the decision to send Anthony Solars back down to the Phantoms because right now he is the best goalie that they have. 
Yeah, I mean, so let's look at the game since since Hexel's been gone, right? You covered the Ottawa game, and the, the goals they let up in the third period weren't necessarily even that terrible, but they still blew a two-goal lead against Ottawa in the loss in regulation. Uh, following that, I thought... In that game. Yeah. Following that, I thought that uh, the Penguins game was actually, arguably, their best game of the season. They won 4-2 to two on the road in Pittsburgh. It was a complete 60-minute effort. I thought that was a good game. Then they come home against Columbus. And again, I thought they played reasonably okay, but goaltending did them a little bad bit, and they end up losing 4-3 uh, to three in overtime. And I think it took all of about three seconds for uh, Columbus to score the goal in overtime. Um, then they go on the road and they play another really good game against Buffalo. I mean, they fall down two nothing in the first period, and you're thinking, oh, here we go again. The Flyers are going to get blown out again, and again, it's going to be by the Sabers. They were already blown out once by the Sabers, but then they score six unanswered goals and they win six to two. So I thought they, so I thought they played pretty well in in almost all the games since Fletcher had come aboard, and then they go into Winnipeg yesterday. On Sunday, I actually thought that the first period that the Flyers played against the Jets was arguably their best first period of this season. I mean, they were out shooting the Jets 14-5 to at one point, and the score was 2 nothing Jets because because Michael Neuvirth is, is terrible So, or was terrible yesterday. I mean, here's the reality. Anthony Stolarz is coming off a season last year where he only played in like literally two hockey games because he had knee surgery and he's had multiple knee surgeries. And so he's just getting himself back into shape. I could understand if the Flyers did not want to play Anthony Stolarz in back-to-back games because of his, the situation, his injury situation. But unfortunately with Brian Elliott not being ready, I guess the only other alternative was Michael Neuberth because Alex Lyon has kind of proven that he's not a very good goalie uh, this season, at least in his NHL appearances. Cal Pickard was on the team earlier this year. He was horrible. They waived him. So it's like, who else are you going to go to? And uh, Neuverth, uh, he's, you know, he's probably not back even close to 100%. And it's, I, to me, it's throwing him against the Wolves, against Winnipeg. And so I see Michael Neuverth come out on the ice to start this game against the Jets. And my instinctual, sort of like, visceral reaction is, I want to bang my head against the wall. Because I know that we are probably going to lose this game even if we play Winnipeg because they've got Connor Hellebuck in net, who was phenomenal, and we've got Michael Neuberg. So the Flyers go down 2 nothing. They battle back, and Travis Sanheim, who's been uh, their best defenseman recently, and maybe you could argue has been their best defenseman this season, has a nice shot on net that gets deflected by Jake Voracek, and it's 2-1, to one, and I'm thinking, okay, you know what? We, we could still come back in this game. But Neuwirth lets in a, another weak goal. Neuwirth then gets pulled. So Anthony Stolarz is forced into the game. And the Jets end up just pouring it on. The Flyers give up. They lose 7-1. to one, And it looks horrible on the, uh, on the score sheet. But I maintain that if the Flyers had a, a very good goaltender, they might have won that game. Because Hellluck made some incredible stops. The Flyers should have been up three to nothing in the first period. And at that point, it changes the whole uh, complexion of the game. So I really think that that game yesterday is almost entirely on the goaltending. The Flyers, you know, unraveled when it was three to one, but it's when your goalie's playing that horribly, you know, it, it, it's that happens sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, it's, 
I, I don't know what you can do about the goaltending. We'll see if Chuck Fletcher, if I would say if Stolarz, uh, if Stolarz keeps playing really well when he's in there, maybe they don't have to trade for a goalie right away. And Elliot is, I just saw a tweet from Sam Carcitti. Elliot is on the road trip. Hopefully uh, he'll be back and playing and healthy. But we've learned that we can't count on any of these guys. So I think that if, if, the goalies keep struggling that that will be one of Chuck Fletcher's first moves is that he will try and trade for a goaltender. I don't know if it's going to be Jimmy Howard from Detroit or Jake Allen from the blues uh, or Jonathan quick, who I don't really want from the Kings, but I think that we will see Fletcher make a move for a goaltender. Uh, You know, personally, I'd love to see him go after Bobrovsky, but at this point Columbus is playing really well. And I just don't see that team deciding to trade Sergei Bobrovsky at this point. I mean, Columbus is, uh, they're five games over 500. So I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I think that Fletcher will trade for a goalie here at some point. And uh, he may be making some other big moves too. I think before the coaches go, I think that we'll see, you know, maybe we'll see a Wayne Simmons moved. Uh, maybe we'll see, who knows, maybe we'll see a Jake Voracek moved. I don't know, but I'm guessing that we'll probably see some trades coming down over the, the next, at least the next month, we'll see something happen here. One of the thing with the Flyers, and this is historic of them, um, whenever they make like a move in season as far as a trade or something, you really never see it coming. So, I mean, and now it's, it's hard now with Twitter. And all the, uh, you know, the national guys and the beat reporters have their Twitter. They're always on there. But, I mean, even with the Hextall move, when they fired him, it's not like anybody saw that coming. It just kind of happened. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, just looking at that game yesterday against Winnipeg, and you're absolutely right. When you go down 3-1 and you know, and Michael Norworth allowed three goals on ten shots, that is, it's almost unheard of. He was horrible. Yeah. He was horrible. <clears throat> For an NHL goalie to do that, it's almost unheard of. And when you're playing in front of that as a forward, a defenseman, and you, you it's human nature. You're going to start to lose confidence and faith in the guy that is supposed to be your last line of defense. So when you see him allow three goals on ten shots and you're playing your ass off, you know, it's easy to see why the team would just kind of, you know, take their foot off the gas and just say, what's the point? You know, we're going to. We're playing our asses off up here. We're doing everything we're supposed to do, and this guy can't stop anything. So even if we get a goal, even if we get back into this game, even if we tie it up, he's just going to let in the next shot that goes his way, and we're going to be behind again. It's very hard when you're a player in a sport and you feel like you're, you know, constantly, you know, going through this uphill battle. And that's exactly what the Flyers were going through yesterday in Winnipeg with Neuwirth and Net. And then. You know, Stolarz comes in cold after playing the night before, and you know it's it just it's an onslaught from there, and it, it all starts again. And we've, Dan, I think that's what I think this is what we've talked about most since we started doing this podcast, and it's the it's the goaltending. We always go back to the goaltending, and yeah, I mean maybe there's a move out there, and. Whenever I hear people, you know, when I hear mention of training for Bobrovsky, and you're right, I mean, we talked about it before the season started that he could be a guy that the Flyers could go for just because of their, you know, we knew what the situation was going to be like going in. We didn't know exactly how bad it was going to be, but we knew it wasn't going to be ideal. And that was one of the names we kicked around because we didn't know what Columbus was going to be. We said if they weren't playing that well, 
you could see them start to, you know, move guys like Bobrovsky and Panarin who have their contracts coming up at the end of the year, and it's going to be kind of hard for them to re-sign those guys. Um, but when I hear a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky and his, con- like I said, you know, his contract's up at the end of the year, he's going to get big-time starting NHL goalie money. And, I mean, it, to me, if you if you brought in a guy like Bobrovsky, how much would you have to give up? You'd have to probably give up a sizable, you know, a pretty decent haul for a guy that I can't see the Flyers wanting to commit to for five years when you have Carter Hart in the system. Because if you trade for Bobrovsky, you're almost, you know, you make a move like that if you think you have a chance to make a run in the playoffs. And I don't think the Flyers think that, and I don't think they should right now. And if you bring in a guy like Bobrovsky, if you give up whatever it would take, it would probably take a pretty, you know, at least two prospects to get them, maybe a pick, unless you could work in, you know, somebody on the roster already, but who knows? Um, when you bring in a guy like that, whose contract's up, like, unless you're a team ready to, that's ready to make a run this year, you almost have to commit to that guy. And it's very counterproductive to, for the Flyers to bring in Bobrovsky, sign him to a five-year deal for a lot of money, pay him as a number one starter, knowing you have Carter Hart in the system, who's who's starting to play well for the Phantoms, got his first shutout as a pro the other night. That was huge on Twitter. So, yeah, I mean, as much as we all love Sergey Bobrovsky, and we as big as a mistake it would be, it was to get rid of him in the first place, right now, given the current state of the Flyers, where they are right now, wh- what they have in the pipeline as far as goaltenders, it would it would probably be an equally as bad move to trade for Sergey Bobrovsky. I would go for a lesser move like a Jake Allen or a Jimmy Howard. Somebody that is a proven NHL guy, solid, will, you know, put the team on his back when need be, but it's just a guy back there that the players playing in front of know that, you know, he's not going to let in the soft goal. Every goal he's going to here or there, but for the, for the most part, you know that you have a sound, confident netminder that you're playing in front of, and that permeates through the rest of the team on the ice. Yeah, I mean, right. You're you're dead right about Bobrovsky. By the way, he's not having a, a very good season. His save percentage is under 900, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think that the Flyers are not going to want to trade for a goalie who's got a lot of term left on their contract. And so you look at the guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents in the offseason. And you mentioned Jimmy Howard. He might be the most obtainable guy because Detroit's not going anywhere this season. They're probably not going to re-sign Jimmy Howard. He's having a decent year. He's got a, a 2.77 goals against average and a 920 save percentage. You know, he's a guy that you might be able to trade a second round pick and get. And he would be an upgrade on our current goaltender. So I think that Jimmy Howard is is one of the more likely candidates for the Flyers to trade for. You know, you look at, uh, I don't know, Keith Kincaid on the Devils is a pending free agent. He's actually had a pretty decent season, even though the Devils stink. Semyon Varlamov has been terrific for the Avalanche, but, you know, they're, they're a cup contender. So yeah, I don't think they're well. going to be trading Semyon Varlamov. Mike Smith for Calgary is uh, another guy who's not having a great season. And um, and also, you know, that team is uh, they're they're leading the Pacific Division. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if, uh, if if they would trade Smith. And again, his stats have not been great. So that might not even happen. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to see them trading for a guy that's got a lot of term left on their contract. Um, let's see. Uh, Jake Allen, you know, we mentioned a couple times. He's got uh, let's see. What does he have? He has two. After the season, he's got two more seasons on a $4.3 million contract. So 
I don't know. I'm not sure that the Flyers would want to uh, would want to trade for him. Let's see what the deal is with Jonathan Quick. He's got Quick's got two more. Um, no, Quick's got four more years on a six million dollar contract. Yeah, so they're not going to be. They're not going to trade Maybe. for him. As you mentioned, Carter Hart finally looks like he's putting it together down with the Phantoms. He he had a really good three game stretch where he culminating in a shutout last week. And so optimistically, you're thinking, okay, maybe Carter Hart's going to be an option for this team next season. And if that's the case, you don't want to bury him behind a guy like Quick or Allen who has got term left on their contract. So they, you know, the best thing to do would be to trade for a guy like Jimmy Howard or maybe Keith Kincaid or, or maybe a, a Mike Smith um, and uh, hope that they can play well enough to maybe get this team back into to a playoff hunt. But, uh, but yeah, they, they're going to have to do something to figure out the goaltending for the rest of this season. Well, it goes beyond this season, too. I mean, that's why, like, a guy like um, Jake Allen, two years, four million per, I, I don't totally hate because uh, if all thing, if, if you're looking down the road, we all kind of assume at this point that Carter Hart will be with the Flyers to start next season. Neuver's contract's up at the end of this year. So is Elliott's. So if you bring in a guy like, Jake Allen, who's been in this league for a long time, he's had some success, you know, he's been in the playoffs, had a bit of success there, he's had some strong series in the playoffs, you know, if you combined him with a young Carter Hart, and, you know, I don't know, depending on who your coach is and how they want to run that, if they want to make it a 1-1-A, or, you know, it's mostly Allen, and, you know, Carter Hart is still kind of grooming as in a backup role, that's fine, but they have to look more towards next year if they're making a move for a goaltender. Because even Jimmy Howard, if you're bringing him in, his contract's up at the end of the year. You know, you're, if you're bringing this guy in, whoever they bring in, I have to believe that they're bringing him in with the intent of either giving him a, with giving it strong thought to that we would like this guy to come back next season if it's a situation where he's going to be a free agent if that player plays well. Or if it's a guy that they're bringing in that has years left on his deal that they see as a good option for the next two, you know, one to two years. I wouldn't go past two years with a guy that I like Jonathan quick, but there's no way I'm taking four years, six million per for that. That's just that's ridiculous, especially, you know, he's really not what he once was, but that's beside the point. So right now, yeah, a Jake, Jake Allen, I'd be I'd be thrilled with if they got a guy like Jake Allen or Jimmy Howard. Just we need we need there needs to be some stability with the goaltending position right now. And I'm not just talking. Yeah, this year, obviously is the big thing because it, it's still early enough in the year that where they could turn it around and make a playoff push, obviously. So you need a strong goaltender for that. But I'm talking also in terms of next year, because if Carter Hart's going to be up here, I don't want it to be Carter Hart and Anthony Stolarz as the goaltenders. I need a guy up here. That's going to be able to work with the, the future of the franchise from a goalie position and, you know, a strong professional player in front of him that he can learn from and he can kind of take him under his wing. And there's guys out there that would be perfect for that. But it all, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, honestly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say that, you know, Brian Elliott would be a guy who actually would be perfect for that role uh, because he's older and, you know, but the problem has been his health this season. I mean, the right. ideal scenario was going to be that Brian Elliott was going to come in this season and play well for the Flyers and get them to the playoffs. And then he they could re-sign him to a one or two year deal for maybe, you know, two and a half, three million dollars a year. And he could help mentor Carter Hart. But that's unfortunately, Brian Elliott's health has, has not been you good can't this rely season. On that's from. No, you can't rely on him. From the start, he, he, he's been unreliable this season. And so, 
you know, it's it's a guy like Jake Allen you mentioned. I mean, he's first of all, he hasn't been great this season. The Blues have been a dumpster fire, uh, and he's he's only 28 years old. So I feel like he still wants to be a starting goalie in this league, and it's 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 a really tough spot they're in because you can't rely on the fact that Carter Hart will be ready next season. You just don't know if that's going to be the case or not. And so it makes navigating the team's goaltending situation a difficult one. And so I, you know, I have some sympathy for Ron Hextall with this situation. I think that he probably was relying too much on, on an injury prone guy in Neuwirth and a guy in Elliott coming off of the, uh, the surgery and Hextall in his press conference, you know, was, you know, uh, was very strong in his, his opinion that, you know, he wasn't being, uh, you know, he, he wasn't taking a risk by going into the season with Elliot and Neuwirth, but it's it's hard to believe that that's the case. And I don't know if he truly believes that or not, but um, he does seem like a fairly stubborn guy. But, you know, it is, it is going to be interesting. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, the team's got three more games on this road trip, right? They're going to be at Calgary. Calgary's been very good on Wednesday. And they're going to be at Edmonton and at Vancouver Friday, Saturday. And, those are all teams, the types of teams that give the Flyers problems. They're teams that play with a lot of speed. Um, Elias Pedersen has just been awesome recently. So there's been all these polls on Twitter. You know, if you could go back in the uh, 2017 draft, who would you rather have, uh, Nolan Patrick or Elias Pedersen? And it's kind of a stupid question. Um, but, uh, uh, but you know, I mean, uh, it's they've got three tough road games coming up, and I would suspect – that if they lose two or three of those games, that there will be some major lineup changes in terms of trades and whatnot that could happen before next Tuesday's home game against the Red Wings. Well, what sets up good from Chuck Fletcher's perspective, the Flyers have a very road-heavy schedule this whole month. Uh, In the whole month of December, they're only going to have four home games. They already had the one against Columbus, and then next week they have three at home against Detroit, Nashville, and Columbus again. So we've seen the Flyers struggle at home for whatever reason, um, and we've often heard Dave Haxtell kind of, but not really, but still kind of doing it, blame the fans and you know, basically saying that the team tenses up when they play at home, which is something you'd never want to hear from your coach about how your team plays at home. But it's good if you're – Chuck Fletcher, you know, you're really going to see, you know, this team away from home on the road. And I feel like you really learn a lot about a team when they play on the road because it's not easy to do. And it's not easy to have these long road trips like the Flyers are having, you know, this Western Canadian road trip that they have every year. And, you know, you can learn a lot about a team, but how they bounce back from losses like they just had on a Sunday and how they go into a game off a tough loss into into another environment that is a little bit foreign to them. They don't, you know, they obviously play in Calgary once a year, and Calgary's playing good this year. So Chuck Fletcher's going to really learn a lot about his team on this road trip, and if they don't show up, you know, he has no ties to any of these players. He has no biases towards any of them. He will get rid of anybody that he thinks will help the team, and if it's addition by subtraction, so be it. You know, I think... Maybe the one, the guy that's hardest to move and the guy that probably wouldn't get moved is Claude Giroux, and it's almost unheard of to even mention that because, again, of how well he's playing. But there's nobody on this team that I think is above a trade if you were Chuck Fletcher because right now his goal 
his main goal is improving this team. They didn't bring, they didn't make this move. They didn't bring him in to just build for next year. They did it early enough in the season for him to still have time to make moves to get this team to the playoffs and get them competing this year. So that's what he's going to do. If he sees a move, if he sees a guy that he doesn't think is going to cut it here, he, he, I don't think he'll have any problems moving on from him because his main goal right now is to get this Flyers team to the playoffs. And uh, like we've already said goaltending is there, and now they have an injury to Sean Couturier who missed yesterday's game. I don't know what his status is. I don't know if you do as far as a timetable with him, if it's day-to-day or whatever. Do you know? Yeah, I mean, he's – right, Couturier is supposed to be day-to-day. And, look, this goes back to over the summer when uh, we were laughing about the Flyers downplaying Sean Couturier's knee injury. No, look, we have no idea what this injury is because they just say if it's if it's your knee or your foot or, uh, you know, whatever, your, your shin, or you could, you know, break your femur and they'd say you're, uh, you know, it's lower body injury. So we don't know what the injury is with Sean Couturier. Maybe he took a puck in the foot and he's kind of hurting a little bit. But I would suspect if I had to wager that it's probably related to his knee. Probably. And he, he has not looked all that, I mean, he's not, never all that fast of a skater, but he's looked a little bit, uh, He's not looked great this season to me in terms of his 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 speed, and so I, I would guess that he's having some more issues with that knee. And I don't know; it's they said it's day to day, but again, would any of us be surprised if this turns into something where he kind of like has some maintenance days throughout the season, and then oh, the off season comes and oh, Sean Couturier needs knee surgery. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I it's it's kinda we'll feels see. Like that's where we're going. And, yeah, and so of course it forced Claude Giroux back to center, and he played great. I mean, the, the Sabres win with Giroux centering Van Riemsdyk on the left and Travis Konechny on the right was uh, that that line was fantastic. And he'll Giroux will probably stick at center, maybe even after Couturier comes back. But the problem is, is that playing center in the NHL leads to a lot more wear and tear. You're skating down the center of the ice more, which typically will lead to more contact. You are exerting more effort. Uh, he's been on the penalty kill also. He's been scoring some short handed goals, but that also exerts more effort. And uh, also taking face-offs is, uh, is something where you can get banged up a lot, uh, taking face-offs. So one of the reasons of, that they moved Claude Giroux to wing was to try and extend his, the, uh, extend his career. And so now if he goes back to center for the rest of the season, it you know who knows what impact that's going to have there. So I still think ideally Giroux would be on the wing. While Couturier's out, they're going to have him at center. We'll see what happens when he comes back. It was good to see James Van Riemsdyk, who was on pace for six goals going into that game against the Sabres, score another goal. Yeah, that was good. But, you know, that signing is looking like one where uh, we're not going to get to see the real James Van Riemsdyk until later this season or, or maybe next season, right? It does seem like these guys who sign these big contracts maybe struggle a little bit in year one. Now, to fair to Van Riemsdyk, he had, uh, he had that lower – or was lower or upper body injury that he was dealing with and lower body and he you know he just recently returned so he's probably still getting into game shape but he's a guy that the flyers just gave a shiny five-year seven million dollar a year contract to and he's he's got to get it going what's interesting was uh listening to chuck fletcher's interview with jim jackson today jimmy asked him you know what kind of identity do you want this team to have what kind of players do you want on your team and Fletcher said to him that he wants a team that is fast and tenacious and plays with puck pressure, a lot like the Tampa Bay Lightning play with. And he he mentioned that it's great to have skilled guys 
who can play that fascinated style. And he named Claude Giroux as obviously a guy. He also named Travis Konechny as a guy that plays like that. And so I think what the Flyers want, and this term has been used a couple times this year, and I think Hextall maybe has used it, they want guys who play with a little more sandpaper and who, you know, what that means is they want guys who are tough to play against. You go into a corner with Travis Konechny, even though he's small, he's going to give it to you a little bit. You know, he's going to stick the, he's going to stick a stick in your ankle and give you a little whack, and uh, you know maybe rub, rub his glove in your face. And they yeah. want guys that are going to play with a little bit of an edge. So that's something that I think he's going to maybe try and find guys like that. Um, but it was interesting that Fletcher specifically mentioned Drew and Konechny, and then he did mention Jake Voracek, kind of third as a as a big body who can kind of play that style a little bit and has some skill but it's the first moves that Fletcher makes are going to be really interesting to see um you know one thing I wanted to touch on was we talked about Travis Sandheim a little bit there was a tweet that came out today and I forget who it was from it was today or yesterday from one of the the guys who does the uh analysis so it was Sean Tierney and he said that the Flyers, he's at charting hockey. He's a great follow. He said the Flyers' best three pairings this year based on defense shot rates are Sanheim Gudis, Sanheim Gossespierre, and Sanheim Fullen. So Travis Sanheim's literally been on the Flyers' three best pairings this year in terms of uh, shot rates. And Travis Sanheim, fans have been harping on him to get more ice time. And finally... In the Flyers' most recent game against Winnipeg, Sandheim got uh, – he, he started – you know, he's paired with Shane Gossesberry. He got a lot more ice time. He actually – Travis Sandheim played 23 minutes in that game against Winnipeg. The only defenseman who played more than him was Ivan Provorov, and Shane Gossesberry played 19. So Sandheim played four more minutes than Shane Gossesberry. Let's see what it was in the game against the Sabres. So against the Sanheim only played in 17 minutes. So there was a real change in that Winnipeg game with how Travis Sanheim was used. And I have to wonder if perhaps somebody, maybe Chuck Fletcher or I don't know who, was kind of said to Dave Haxtell, hey, you got to start using Travis Sanheim more. And that Winnipeg game, Sanheim played 23 games. So that's, you know, I think that's a good step towards maybe doing some of the things that, that fans want Hackstall to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, when, just to kind of backtrack to what you were saying about uh, Couturier, when when you're, you know, when, immediately when when you're when I hear you talk about Sean Couturier, I, I, ca- I couldn't help but think back to the offseason. One of the big talking points, not only for us, but really for all Flyers fans, was bolstering the center position going into this season. You know, it was... The, the Flyers, we all knew the Flyers needed, a, a, you know, a third-line center, and Ron Hexel never really got that. And this is right now because we entered the season, Sean Couturier had the knee problem. He was, um, you know, in training camp, he hurt it again. So you kind of – you didn't know how long or, you know, how long that knee was going to hold up. It was going to last the whole season. And just losing him for – even if you just lose him for a couple games, the Flyers are in a position right now where they can't really afford to lose one of their better players – for any amount of games, and the worst part about it is, is there's there when a guy like Couturier or if Nolan Patrick goes out, your two best centers, if one of them go out, you're it, like in, you're in complete disarray because now you have to move guys out of position. There, there's no depth to that position. You you know, 
Lawton, you really don't want to ever have to see Scott Lawton playing on a on one of the top two lines at center. Yuri Laterra is what he is. Jordan Wheel is what he is. I mean, these aren't really good depth guys that you could rely on if you need to, and the Flyers obviously need to. So if goalie is number one on <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> if it's number one on Chuck Fletcher's list, then bolstering the center position has to be a close second because you just don't know what you have in Sean Couturier's knee. And when you say it, it, you know, it makes sense to me. And it feels like we're on that that track where at the end of the season, it's, you know, whenever the season ends, if it's in the playoffs, if it's at the end of the regular season, whatever, it's going to be like a week after we're going to hear, you know, Sean Couture. Oh, by the way, they're going to try to sweep it under the rug. Oh, by the way, Sean Couture got knee surgery and he's out for like four months. And you're just going to be like, oh, OK, cool. So he was on it. He was playing on it all season long. We've seen it. We saw it last year with Wayne Simmons. He was hurt all year. You could tell by the way he was playing. They let him do it. So, the, I mean, if I'm Chuck Fletcher, and I liked what he said about, you know, they want to they want to play fast, but they also want to play tough. And that's hard to do because when you get these fast finesse players, they are not really the guys that are going to go into the corner and really give the opposing player hell. Travis Konechny is, you know, He's a great asset to have from that perspective because he's a high school player, but you know he's also like a little gnat. He's just an annoying little guy on the ice that skates around. He's kind of a pest. He'll piss people off. He gets them off their game. It's like you know, it's it's like combining Danny Briere with Keith Jones. It's it's a good combination to have. It's just good that he's more Danny Briere and not more Keith Jones on the ice. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said about Travis Sanheim, this is a guy that, you know, you've been high on for a while, and up until recently, he hasn't really been getting his fair chance to show his skill, and you saw it in, in the game against Winnipeg, that he, you know, this is a guy that the Flyers have a huge asset. They have a great offensive asset on the blue line in Travis Sanheim, and they need to get him on the ice as much as possible. They need to just, what what I think Dave Haxel, one of his biggest problems is, is he doesn't see what he truly has in some players. He doesn't give them the chance to be the type of player that they can be. He just, you know, he sees like an experience level and a number of years in the league, and it's like he sets his lineup that way. Well, Travis Sandheim can be a game changer for the Flyers. He's he is he's a weapon offensively as a defenseman, and that's you know you're seeing a lot more of that in the league, but. You get as many as you can, and if you have a guy that can put the puck in the net and it's just one more guy on the ice that the opposing team has to worry about when he's out there, why wouldn't you want to give him every opportunity you can to put him on the ice and show what he could do? This guy, he is a very good offensive player. He has a great shot. He has great hands. If you just go look at YouTube videos of Travis Sanheim, in juniors, skating around like he's a forward, and even when he was with the Phantoms, doing the same thing. This guy is very good offensively, and whether it's Chuck Fletcher or Paul Holmgren, whoever, getting in Dave Haxel's ear saying, hey, you have to play this guy more? Great. Fine. If that's the meddling that the front office is going to do with the coaching, then that's fine. If it's getting the right guys on the ice, getting the best possible players on the ice to win games for the Flyers now, then I'm all for it, because you know, you can only see, you know, Christian Fullen and um, Andrew McDonald dominate ice time minutes so much before you're just pulling your hair out when you know that there's a guy that could that could be beneficial to the team. And that's what Travis Sanheim is. So good for him for finally realizing it and tra- good for Travis Sanheim for taking advantage of the opportunity. 
Yep. Uh, should we get to some listener questions? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. All right. So I think we got five questions from the, the listeners. The first one was Kevin Benner at Kevin EZRQ. And thanks to everyone who sent in their questions. Um, the first two moves you would make if you were GM. So if I was GM of the Flyers, the first two moves I would make would be the first one is I would see if I could trade a second-round pick for Jimmy Howard. Sounds like the Red Wings want a first-round pick, but i try and negotiate them down and see if you could make that trade, and then maybe we'd get a goalie who uh, is only signed through the rest of the season who might be able to, to help out and stabilize the goaltending for this team. So I'd try and trade for Jimmy Howard. And then the other thing I would do is I would bring up Nicholas Alvey Kubel and Phil Myers from the Phantoms, and I would uh, tell the coach he's got to play them. What do you think? What would yeah, you do? Um, yeah, I like Jimmy Howard. I like, you know, it's more than just a name. You know, he's his best years are probably behind him. He was at one time – a very good goaltender, but you know he's better than anything the Flyers have right now. I mentioned earlier it's a good veteran guy to have in here who's had success, who's played at at a high level. Um, was he was he with the Red Wings when they won that cup against Pittsburgh? Was he or was that Osgood? Uh, I know that I I don't. I don't think that Jimmy Howard was the starter. Let's let's see if uh, he was on the, any of those cup teams. I'll look that up here while we're talking. Yeah, I, well, I, as far as the second move, you know, Jimmy Howard, I'm fine with. Really, any goaltender. I mentioned Jake Allen. I'd probably prefer him to Jimmy Howard, um, but his contract obviously is less easy to work around. But as far as the second move, you know, I kind of just said it. Bringing up or bringing in a guy from the outside that can bolster the center position really give you three strong lines across the board. Because right now, you know, that third line when you're when you're winging, you know, when you have Jordan Wheel or whoever, Yuri Laterra flanked by Wayne Simmons and um, James Van Riemsdyk, you know, that's a huge gallant, a huge talent gap from the guy in the middle that's supposed to be driving the play on the ice. So I would, I would try to get in another, um, another centerman somehow, some way. You have picks, you have prospects. The Flyers are not short on assets to make a move. So those would probably be the first two moves, and then right after that, you know, Phil Myers is down there. I would have. I've said from the start of the season, I would have started him with the Flyers. All Bay Bell should be up here, and you know, there's. You got to start cutting the dead weight. The Dale, although Dale Weiss has played well this season, but you know Yuri Laterra is still on the team and probably shouldn't be. So those, those are the moves I would go with uh, from that. Yeah. If I was, if I was Chuck Fletcher, which you know, thank God I'm not, because I can't only imagine. <laughs> uh, the players, the players would be having wings, pizza, and Guinness after the games. It'd be great. Yeah. They'd love you. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Thank uh, God. Thank God Jeff Carter and Mike Richards aren't still on the team or, you know. Oh, my God. I could, yeah. could only well, imagine what you know, would happen with Guinness that, in the but... locker room. Uh-huh. That's great. Um, all right, next question from Johan Gustafsson. His, his tag is at Philly Bastard. He asks, Neuvirth out when Elliot is back. And Elliot is, as I said earlier on the show, he's, he's uh, getting close to returning, it sounds like. And all I would say is, please, God, I hope that Neuvirth is the one out when Elliot is back. I'm hoping that Stolarz is is Stolarz and Elliot is what they go with. And I think that's what's gonna happen. I will predict that they will waive Michael Neuverth wow. when Elliot is back. Again, it, t- it just ties in that you have a new guy at the helm of this thing that doesn't have any biases, that isn't tied to any player, like Hexall apparently was with Michael Neuverth. So yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I'd be thrilled. You know, look, 
you're you're setting a bad message if Anthony Stolarz has come in and really taken control of the opportunity given to him, really played well, kept you in a lot of games, and it shows it sends a bad message if he's done everything right in given his opportunity and Michael Neuwirth, given his injury history, given how he's looked in the two games he's been in, you know, if you take Neuwirth over Stolarz who's played well and you know, that sends a bad message to other guys that you may call up down the road. So even from that perspective, I would definitely go with Stolarz over Neuwirth. But I'll take, you know, good. I, I'm with you on that. I, I honestly think there's no way you can't waive him at this point if, you know, once Elliot's healthy. And I'm okay with the Elliot-Stolarz tandem because, you know, I think that's probably the best two guys the Flyers can have on their roster right now as far as goalies go. Yeah. Um, um, I'll read the next yep, one. Yep, go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah, You're, by be... the way, speaking of being healthy, it sounds like what are you, are you getting a little sick here? You've got a big week coming up with this being in this wedding, and yeah. you know, we we can't <laughs> lose you here for a while. You're going to be doing a lot of drinking later this week, so are you... I'm good. Um, okay, I'm actually, like I'm getting over it. It was more. It was over the weekend. I was dealing with it, and I'm trying to right. uh, drink as much fluids as I can because Friday and Saturday, I'm really going to put my body to the uh, to the test. It sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh. Another question, who cares at duh underscore Perminator? He asks it's a three. That's a good uh that's a good good uh, handle there, the Perminator. Yeah. Um he has like a three part question, and I think I part of it has to be in jest, but maybe not. Uh is it time to tank? Is the season over at this point? And what steps should Chuck take in order to improve the team? Well, that last part we kind of already touched on. You know, you want to you want to see them bring in a, a goaltender, a Jimmy Howard, a Jake Allen. Um, is the season over at this point? No. I mean, it's still early December, so there's a lot of time left in this season, especially if Chuck Fletcher makes moves by the end of the month, which I think he will. I think a trade comes by the end of December. So I don't think there's, you know, I think there's still time. The season's not over by any stretch, but it's just on Chuck Fletcher to make the correct moves to get the Flyers back on track. And is it time to tank? Absolutely not. Um, It's just, look, I know the Sixers did it, and somehow, by the grace of God, the city was okay with it, but I don't think that anybody, I don't think that the fan base, I don't think they stand for that anymore. Not the Flyers, because the Flyers have much more of a loyal fan base than the Sixers do. They have more, I would imagine that the Flyers now have more season ticket holders than the Sixers did when they decided to start packing it in for four or five years. Um, So I I would never give a team the advice to tank a season by any stretch. Well, the problem with tanking is that there's no guarantee that right. there's really there's two reasons to tank this season. Jack Hughes and uh, what's the guy's name, like Capo Caco or something like that. There are two guys who look like they could be uh, superstars in the NHL. And there's you, you could tank changers. and be the you could you could tank and be the worst team in the league and get that number one pick. Uh, you know, or you could, uh, I think you only have like a 20% chance of getting that number one pick if you're the worst team in the league. So well, we, they're we not going to twice tank. with the it's... Flyers in the last, uh, like decade and a half. They were right, the worst exactly. team in the league in, what was it, 2007? Ended up with the second pick. Didn't get Patrick Kane. We saw what happened there. We got JVR, traded him, got him back. And then two years ago, the Flyers had a 2% chance of getting the, the number two overall pick, and they got it. So there are no guarantees. Right. It's there's, not, there's, yeah, there's no reason to tank. The, the yeah, Flyers can still football. make 
the Flyers could still make the playoffs at this point. It's a lot harder to tank in the NHL too. Yeah. Um, but uh, but the Flyers could certainly still come back and make the playoffs. So we got to be hopeful of that. And yeah, we talked about the steps that uh, Chuck should. Uh, uh, I love saying that. The Chuck should come and uh, you know get a goalie, and you know maybe we'll see him. Uh, you know call up some guys from the minors, maybe Phil Myers, and, and then uh, maybe he'll make a coaching change after the holidays, depending on when Quenville would be open to, to uh, coming back to the NHL. God willing. Um, all right, let's see this next one. I'm going to butcher this last name, you know, whatever. Uh, Ben Wagraff at Wags, um, on a scale from one to 10, where one is kick, kick the can down the road, which I'm assuming means tank or, and 10 as in all new coaching staff and core pieces moved. How disruptive do you think Fletcher's tenure will be at the end of January? Um, well, it all depends, and we, we've already said it. We don't think the coaching change doesn't come before trades are made. I think Chuck Fletcher's going to do everything he can to improve the roster in season right now. Um, I think those are, you know, those are that's what he has to do first. You have to give... You have to give the coach every possible chance to save his job, especially when you're the new guy in town and it's midseason. If this is the offseason, you know, Dave Haxall is probably already out as the coach. But, um, yeah, look, it, 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 it all depends on if Chuck Fletcher makes the right moves. If he gets the right guys in here and they're playing well as individuals but the team's still not getting together as a whole, then, yeah, you have to make a move at head coach. By the end of January, maybe, but I think the, I think that a lot would have to happen between now and the end of January for Chuck Fletcher to get rid of uh, Dave Axel. So, I think that let's say on a scale of one to ten, one is kick the can down the road, ten is all new coaching staff. I mean, it's kind of a cop out, but I would probably go right in the middle with a five or a six. Yeah, I think that you know, I think. If Joel Quenville is open to coming in midseason and taking over as head coach, I think we could see that by the end of January. I think that we will see some trades. I will be very surprised if Flyers don't make a trade for a goaltender over the next few months. Um, so that's what I'm, you know, maybe maybe I'll go seven because I think there's a reasonable chance that, that Dave Haxtell's gone by the end of January. So I think we'll see a few trades and Haxtell gone by the end of, of January. But it all depends on if Joel Quenville's open to coming back uh, to the NHL at that point. So I think that's that's I'll go seven. I wow. think he'll be a little bit disruptive. I don't. I mean, maybe. Look, I didn't think they were going to fire Ron Hextall, and they did. So you know, I don't think they're going to do it. It's, but nothing's going to surprise me from here to the end of the season, or at least from here to the deadline. Uh, anything the Flyers do will not surprise me at all. And you can't be surprised when you have a new general manager. So everything's in play. It's We've exciting. got one more question. Yeah, go ahead. Do we? I didn't say it. Well, 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 yeah, you know, our buddy Flyers Rob, all right. uh, he retweeted our tweet with the questions. I'm trying to find it. Um, He's very active on Twitter. I'm going through his, uh, you know, his tweets, and there's a lot of stuff here. He's uh, let's let's see if I can try and try to find here um, what his questions were. Um, you know, I think I'm going to predict that there's going to be a lot of changes by the time that we do our next show. Yeah, next I mean, week. Look, um, there, uh, what's good from our perspective 
and things to talk about is the Flyers have three games between now and next week. So three games between now and Monday where they're playing like, you know, on the road. They it's it's a tough, it's a tight schedule. They have they're um in Calgary on Wednesday, they have a day off on Thursday, and then Saturday, Sunday, they're back to back in Edmonton and Vancouver. So that's that's a big test for the Flyers. And the guys that want to be on this team, the guys that want to have a future in this team and don't want to get uprooted midseason, they really have to play their asses off because, like I already said, I don't think anybody is safe. Outside of, like, Claude Giroux and, you know, maybe even Ivan Provorov, uh, Shane Gossespierre, I don't think anybody on this roster is safe. And everybody has to be at their absolute best in these three road games because, you know, it's games like this in December – on the road, on the west side of Canada, that really can define a team. How do you, how you play on the road goes a long way in the long-term success of a team in any sport. It's not just in the NHL. And these are big games for the Flyers. Every game right now is big for the Flyers. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't just stop at some point. So I found I found the questions from from our buddy Flyers Rob. Okay. Uh, he first, what are the Vegas odds that Haxtell and Lappy are fired before the end of the road trip? I think it's very slim chances that those guys are fired. As I just mentioned, I think the Haxtell stuff depends on when Joe Quenville is ready to come over, and it sounds like the earliest would be after the holiday. So I I just, I don't think those guys are going to get fired. Um, and then question two, he thinks we found our bridge goalie in Stolars, what you say. So I've always been a fan of Stolars, yeah. The much more than Alex Lyon. The injury issues have obviously put him back a step. I don't know if we could rely on Stolars to be the number one guy that arrested this season, but I do like him, and I think it's possible that that could happen. Um, as far as odds go, you are the Vegas guy. I, as far as odds, that's completely over my head. I don't know anything about odds, setting them, all that. Um, by the end of the road trip, I don't know what odds you would put on this, but I think there's a 0% chance that they're both gone at the end of the road trip. It's hard to make a move, too, coaching-wise, during, I guess, if it's at the end of the road trip. But even so, at the end of the road trip, you have two days off. And I, I said they go Saturday, Sunday. It's Friday, Saturday. They have Edmonton and Vancouver. Um, but you have two days off. One of them's going to be a travel day where you're kind of getting in, I guess, early or late, depending on how you look at it from Vancouver. It's kind of a tough spot to make a coaching change. If you were going to do it this month, there's a nice gap of three days after New York on the 23rd and then you're on the road again again in Tampa, maybe the 24th, 25th, 26th, but it depends on how they play the six games before that. But I, I cannot imagine that they're going to make a move at the end of this uh, this road trip. And you're right. It's probably – I want, you know, I wonder if, like, Chuck Fletcher and Joel Quinville, like, have, like, a private, like, text chain going on somewhere where, like, maybe there's a, maybe there's a burner phone involved. Um you know, Chuck Flesher's on the side, like up in the up in the uh, press box during games. Like, yo, are you ready yet? I can't, I can't take this much longer. And I wonder if they're just kind of like a, hey, when you're ready, let me know, and I'll see where we're at as a team. Or maybe he just knows that 
once Joel Quenville's ready, Dave Haxall's out. He's just biding his time and, you know, letting Quenville enjoy some family time for the holidays. That So you never know. I think sports is as corrupt as anything in the world. You know, when you're dealing with millions and billions of dollars like these sports leagues are, you know, there's no way that there's not some back, you know, some back alley deals going on, especially when there's a new guy on the job. So, but that's, I guess maybe that's the cynic in me, but who knows? So is that, uh, is that all the questions from, from our great listeners? Yeah, that's it. We appreciate them sending those in. Yeah. We love it all the time. It really gives us, uh, gives us stuff to talk about and that's always good. So I guess it's time to wrap this up, put a little bow on it. Uh, no Christmas pun intended. I guess next week's going to be our last show before Christmas, right? Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Seems like it. Time's slipping away. Yep. So, um, well, Dan, this is your favorite part of the show where you get to give your famous or your shameless plug. Could be famous. I don't know. Um, your shameless plug of all your goings on. So go ahead and do that. Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter uh, at dsilver88 and uh, the 88 for Eric Lindros, of course. And then um, you can read articles of ours over at phileasflyer.com. That is uh, phileasflyer.com. And uh, we've got a bunch of good content up there. I'll probably, after the new year, be taking a look at updating the Flyers' top prospects, which is always one of my favorite articles of the year. And uh, then you'll be able to find that over there. Yeah, your, your, your prospect stuff is always great. Something to look forward to there as we are closing the books on calendar year 2018. And from a Philly sports fan perspective, it was – and we'll we'll get into the year review, I guess, next week, but or in the coming weeks. Uh, but you know, so far, 2018's been up and down. It's actually it started at the peak, and it's pretty much been a slow downhill roller coaster ride from there. But we'll see what happens as this month closes out. But as for me, as far as my goings on, you can always follow me on Twitter at Mark Flagman with two N's. You can follow the show at underscore Get Bullied. Um, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and at, of course at phileasflyer.com on the podcast tab. There's a player there with every episode from number one till uh, this one. So you can listen to all of them and see where we were a year ago as opposed to now. Newsflash, it's not much different. But until next week, hopefully we will have some good hockey to talk about. Maybe we'll have some moves to talk about. It's all up in the air right now. Everything's in play, and don't let anything be a surprise to you when it comes to this team. So until next week, have a good week, and let's go Flyers.